0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me for this bonus episode of admission straight talk. November was indeed a very newsy November It was full of admissions news. And I just decided I'd be remiss if I don't touch on it for admission straight talk listeners, hence this bonus episode. But again, as when we last had a bonus episode, which was I think back in June, we also have excellent interviews lined up. And I didn't want to wait for a break in the schedule to share my thoughts with you. So Hence, we have this bonus episode. Again, you'll be able to access the show notes at accepted.com slash newsy, N-E-W-S-Y, November. Accepted.com slash newsy, November. But in the meantime, if you have any thoughts or feedback for me on this episode or any other episode for that matter, feel free to email me at A-S-T at accepted.com. That's A as in admissions, S as in straight, T as in talk, A-S-T at accepted.com. All right, the first news item that I'd like to touch on is the American Bar Association looks like it will cease requiring that law schools require admissions tests, and that would be right now mostly the LSAT and the GRE. A couple of schools accept the GMAT, and they're going to do that as of 2025. If this is finally approved, as is very likely, law schools can choose whether to require an admissions test or not. On an individual basis. And based on the experience of business schools that have gone with a lot of test optionality, most law schools will either require it of all incoming applicants. They will make the test optional for all applicants, and it'll be up to you whether you submit a test or not. Or they will require the test, but offer applicants the opportunity to apply for a waiver. Or they might say those who meet certain requirements can can automatically get a waiver. So, what does this apply for you if you have good grades and tend not to test well optionality is fantastic news for you because you won't have to take the test if you apply to schools where the test is optional after 2025 however schools do want to know that you can do the work so if your academic record leaves something to be desired it doesn't convey your abilities adequately you will probably still be wise to prepare for and take the test so that it will better show your abilities. It's too early to tell, but in the business school realm, I think it's true that a high test score can enhance somebody's chances of getting a scholarship. As I indicated, I think that's true. It's my my gut feeling in the B school world, and it may become true in the law school world as well. So again, if a scholarship is important to you, even if you have the grades, And particularly if you test well, it may make sense for you to take the test, even if it is optional. Whatever it is, just keep in mind when you're choosing whether to take the test, not take the test, apply to schools with test optionality or not apply to them. And when you get to that point, realize that schools will want to admit people they believe can thrive in their programs. So make sure that somehow, some way, you're providing them that confidence. That was news item number one. Newsy November item number two, Top law schools are withdrawing, with two exceptions, from the US News rankings. It all started when Yale and Harvard withdrew from the US News rankings on November 16th. They were followed by Berkeley, Stanford, UCLA, Columbia, Penn, University of Michigan, Duke, Northwestern, Georgetown, UCLA, UC Davis, and UC Irvine. And today I just read um, about University of Washington, and there may be more by the time we get this recording posted. The University of Chicago and Cornell Law announced that they currently intend to stay in the rankings. For the schools that decided to withdraw, what's their motivation? They say that the rankings simply don't jive with their values. They've discouraged diversity. They've discouraged the schools from accepting applicants who are more interested in public interest law that paid less well than corporate law. Now, you might've noticed that it was mostly the top schools that withdrew from the rankings, the top 15 or so. Top schools don't need the publicity they get from the rankings as much as programs lower down the ranking food chain. Their reputation and their placement is well established. So their decisions are still affected by the rankings and they can afford to not have that influence on their decision making. So they want to be able to increase the diversity of their classes, both ethnic and socioeconomic. And um, they are concerned that the rankings are um, taking away from their their success in that area. US News says it will continue to rank law schools and might just use publicly available information as opposed to the ranking reports and the surveys. And if it still continues to rank law schools and if applicants, parents, recruiters, alumni still value the rankings as highly as they have in the recent past, they could still influence law school decision-making but probably to a lesser extent. And what are the implications for, of this withdrawal, this mass withdrawal of elite law schools from the rankings? Well, I think the advice in terms of school choice still holds. I'm sure there are a lot of admissions directors and MBA programs and medical schools that would love to see their schools withdraw from the rankings. It might happen. We'll have to wait and see. I wouldn't be surprised if other law schools withdraw, as I indicated, or if U.S. News makes changes that will make the rankings more acceptable to law schools and perhaps try and move them back in. But for you, my advice to you would be that you should be the one ranking the law schools, not US News. In fact, in my opinion, the only one ranking law schools or any graduate program should be applicants deciding where to apply, and not based on someone else's criteria, but based on a thoughtful consideration of what's important to you in a law school or graduate program, and research to determine which programs provide that. Now, the information, the data in the rankings may be part of your research, that's fine, but not everything that will be important to you or should be important to you in law school is going to be captured in U.S. News rankings data or even data on the law school website, though you're going to find a lot more there. I have long said that the rankings are misnamed. They are excellent stores of data and information, but They are not a universally valid ranking for everybody. That's why I say you should be the one ranking the law schools. They're also occasionally prone to fraud because uh, they're not audited. And there's a lot of benefits to being highly ranked. So there's a motivation, if you will, to, uh, to fudge some of the numbers and get a higher ranking. That has happened occasionally in the past in different in different markets. I don't think it's a, a mass problem. I think the biggest problem is that applicants, parents, recruiters, alumni, put too much weight on, on the ranking. And realize the rankings, as I've said, are storehouses of information. They can be part of your research, part of your decision-making, but no applicant should decide based solely on rank, where they apply or where they attend. And I've talked to too many applicants who say, I want to go to a top X school. And that's whether it's in law, business, med, whatever. It's not top X. What's top X for you? One other thing on the rankings, and then when you decide where to apply, if you have based on your goals, based on your preferences, based on your qualifications, and you have multiple acceptances, then yeah, take a look at the rankings. If there's a significant difference in ranking, I would consider that as one of the factors in deciding where I attend. But for minuscule differences in rankings, I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't. And I wouldn't recommend that you do. My concern with the law school withdrawal from the rankings is that law schools may become a little bit less forthcoming with information that applicants should have, like LSAT, GPA ranges, um, perhaps salary data, bar passage rates, those kinds of things. I'm hoping it won't happen, but that is a little bit of a concern that I have. I hope it won't lead to less transparency. I do hope it will lead to less emphasis on the actual rankings numbers than in the past. The third item in Newsy November was accommodations for laid off workers in applying to business school. Now, this started with Kellogg, uh, Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management on November 14th. Some MBA programs uh, since then, in addition to Kellogg, have offered a helping hand. They're really reaching out to recently laid off workers and encouraging them to apply this cycle for their MBA. Now, recently, I think this started with Kellogg and specifically with tech workers because these employees at elite tech companies are usually very good applicants and MBA students. Now, the accommodations themselves vary from school to school, and eligibility for the accommodations also varies from school to school. They can include separate deadlines for recently laid-off workers, such as at MIT Sloan and Berkeley Haas. It could be a test waiver, Kellogg, Cornell Johnson, NYU's Tech, MBA, Berkeley Haas, application fee waivers, such as at Indiana Kelly, UCLA Anderson, Georgia Tech, or and, and a later deadline for tests and recommendations. And this is what UCLA Anderson is offering. Uh, laid off workers. I'll link to a summary of B schools with accommodations for laid off workers from the show notes that you can find at except.com Newsy November. But for full details of these accommodations, check our summary and then check the school's websites for, for all the details because they, they really, there are nuances and, and you should understand the nuances directly from the schools. Also assume that more schools are going to join this parade. And I think in general, the, these accommodations, one, I think they're, they're genuinely trying to help people who've just recently lost a job. But I also they think they reflect the fact that application volume is down. I think they also mean that schools are going to use the waitlist more. They're going to compete more with each other for students that they really want. And that competition is going to take place via scholarships and grants. And they're going to probably accept more round three applicants or perhaps even, and this is this is truly speculative, extend final deadlines or add, add a round or two if uh, application volume is really, really down. So what triggered all these accommodation? Well, I think the big trigger was that there's been an increase in layoffs specifically in the tech field and white collar workers. According to TrueUp Tech, over 210,000 workers in tech have lost their job in 2022. And obviously there have been some layoffs in other industries too although the overall job market is still really strong, as I'm sure you all know. As I discussed way back in June during my previous bonus episode, which I will link to also from the show notes at accept.com slash Newsy November, right before a recession is a good time to apply to graduate schools and business schools in particular. Application volume goes up during a recession when layoffs increase, which means there is more competition among applicants for spots as opposed to among schools for applicants. During an economic expansion when unemployment is low and opportunities abound, young professionals question the value of a full-time two-year MBA. However, if you earn your MBA during a recession, you shelter from the economic storm in business school and improve your skills and marketability. Plus, if the recession isn't too long, you can graduate into an expanding economy. However, applying during a recession means that you apply when everyone else is also seeking shelter from the economic storm. So this is what I touched on in the last bonus episode. And um, the last application cycle saw a decline in applications. Again, an expanding economy, really strong job market. And another uh, decline was anticipated this year. My take is that it's happening. And MBA programs are really motivated to actively recruit recently laid off workers, at least partially because application volume is still low. If unemployment increases, application volume is also likely to increase because young professionals tend to seek graduate education more when there are fewer opportunities for advancement, as there typically are in a recession. So what's the implications for you as an applicant? Well, I checked briefly with accepted staff, which includes former admissions committee members from Carnegie Mellon, Tepper School, Cornell Johnson, Michigan Roth, Dartmouth-Tuck, Vanderbilt-Owen, and Yale School of Management all agreed that if application volume remains low or simply declines from last year, schools will be forced to use the waitlist more and also accept more applicants round three, even if they aren't getting the PR for these accommodations. They also felt that while the accommodations are a genuine help to applicants, there's the tremendous PR value um, and publicity value in, in these schools' moves. In other words, even if schools don't actually announce accommodations, reality may force them to accept more round three applicants, use the waitlist more, and be more generous with financial aid. So if you're ready to apply, do take advantage of these accommodations and apply round two. And if you only become ready maybe round three, this may be a year when round three is going to be more widely used, let's say, than in previous years. Now, this is all good news. Waiving tests or application fees or giving applicants more time is just helpful to you. My reading of the tea leaves implies that schools are experiencing a drop in applications, business schools in particular, though I believe it's true of law schools and other graduate programs also, and are therefore taking more initiative to recruit applicants for round two in the case of the business schools. It also implies to me that even schools that are not announcing accommodations will probably use the waitlist more and also accept more applicants than usual round three. And the final implication, it's a little easier to get accepted this cycle than some other years, and schools may be competing for admitted applicants by being a little bit more generous with scholarships than they otherwise would be. So yes, November was newsy, no question about it. And most of the news was positive for applicants. Law school applicants, we're here for you. If you want an experienced admissions eye reviewing your personal statement and addenda, go to accepted.com slash law services and explore how we can help you. MBA applicants, take advantage of the apparent drop in MBA applications to apply when you can get into the programs that you may not be able to get into if application volume increases. Again, we're here to help. Go to accept.com slash MBA services and check out our flexible options. Get the help you need to take advantage of Newsy November in December and January and whenever you are ready to apply. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again on Tuesday.